Welcome to the program. I'm Jeff Sheckman. I'm sure that not a day goes by that you don't pick up your smartphone to access a piece of information. Every dinner party or get-together has the scene where everyone races to their phone to look up a fact or prove a point. It's so easy. So easy, in fact, that we often think, certainly our kids think, that they don't need to know basic knowledge. Why memorize anything when you can just look it up? It's all there in the cloud, right? Well, it is, but knowledge does matter. What we know, not what Siri knows, can truly impact and shape the lives we lead, the work we do, the friends we have, and really, our place in the world. We're going to talk about that today with my guest, best-selling author William Poundstone. William Poundstone is the author of 15 previous books, including Rock Break Scissors and Are You Smart Enough to Work at Google? He's written for the New York Times Book Review, The Village Voice, Esquire, The Economist, and the Harvard Business Review. It is my pleasure to welcome William Poundstone here to talk about Head in the Clouds, Why Knowing Things Still Matters When Facts Are So Easy to Look Up. Bill Poundstone, thanks so much for joining us. Yes, good to be with you. It's great to have you here. Where does our basic knowledge come from? We think about all the things that we know, all of the things, all the information that we have at our fingertips, not what we can look up, but what we know. And it's interesting to think about where it comes from. Not all, some of it, of course, comes from school. Some of it comes from just the the information that pours in at us every day. Yeah, I think it's very much a matter of paying attention. Um, Some people just sort of naturally do that, and others it kind of, you know, goes in one ear and out the other. Uh, One of the things I found which was quite interesting was there were great differences in knowledge, uh, even if you look at people with the same level of formal education. So it really does convey this idea that some people just have brains that are kind of like sponges and soak up a lot of facts, and other people not so much. To what extent does it have to do with with attitude, with being present? Because part of what we see today is people are so busy looking things up or so busy doing things on their phone or, or whatever it might be, interacting with technology, that they're not paying attention and, and that it becomes a kind of cycle that goes on. Yeah, exactly. Uh, our media today makes it very easy to not pay attention to anything that doesn't particularly interest you. Uh, I mean, it's very easy to customize, you know, your Facebook feed, uh, your Google News feed. Uh, so you only see stories that are on topics that really interest you or that you have some sort of emotional connection to. And in a way, that's a great thing. I mean, the technological pundits have always talked about how great it is that we can now configure our news feeds. We can sort of make our own newspaper up. Uh, and, and it is good when it prevents you from missing stories that are important to you and you want to make sure you find. But the other side of that is that you do miss a lot of this contextual information. I mean, it's important to know about uh, foreign news, which many Americans just think is boring and don't want to really hear about. Uh, it's important to know about, you know, science, technology, the arts, all these different things. So even if that's not particularly what you're interested in, uh, it is very useful to get that sort of contextual knowledge. And one of the things I found in researching this book is that a lot of people really are not getting that basic general knowledge. I mean, I guess it's a question of what's important and who decides. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there have been many attempts to codify uh, what, what facts every educated person should know. 
And in the, the past, the way that worked basically was that you would have some esteemed scholar and he would say people should know this, that, and the other thing, a long list of things, uh, a kind of canon uh, of facts. Uh, but as I say in the book, people are very skeptical about canons today. I mean, we have a very diverse society, and you do have to ask who is really deciding what we have to know and why should their opinions matter so much. So one of the things I tried to do in the book was ask, is there sort of maybe a, a more objective way or a more objective ways of trying to figure out what information actually matters to people? And that's what I try to go into in the book. Talk a little bit about that and how you achieve any kind of objectivity with respect to, to what people need to know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, basically, most of the research of the book consisted of running national surveys of people, uh, which were essentially like quizzes. I would ask a long list of questions on, you know, factual questions uh, on all sorts of topics, from pop culture to quantum physics to music to pretty much everything. Uh, and then uh, I also had demographic information on these people. So I would see how it correlated with things like uh, what their average income was, uh, how healthy they were, because there was a question on that, uh, even how happy they were. Uh, there was a question where people were asked to, uh, you know, basically rate how happy they were compared to other people on a scale from 1 to 10. Uh, and you found some very interesting correlations. Uh, one was that almost always there was a strong connection between income and general knowledge. And this is true even when you factor out educational level uh, and age, because both of those obviously do correlate with income. So what I found is that there appears to be some, some value to general knowledge uh, above and beyond you know, a college degree or, or a good job. Uh, that people who, who acquire this knowledge do tend to make more money, they do tend to have better health at any given age, and they even tend to report that they're happier. So in that sense, uh, this is kind of a big data approach, I guess. Uh, I, I think you can make a case that there, there does seem to be this, uh, this real-world value to knowing what you might call trivia knowledge or general information. I mean, I guess the question that that raises is the chicken or the egg question. Is it that, that people that have that general knowledge tend to do better economically, work-wise, happier, etc., all the things you said, or that people that do those things, then it's easier for them to acquire general knowledge? It's like Maslow's pyramid kind of a situation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's the old thing of a, a correlation, which is basically what I showed, does not necessarily prove causation. Right. Uh, it might be uh, many other reasons why people could, could end up with having this knowledge. And I go into various theories in the book, but it's, it's probably a combination of all three, both that uh, having more knowledge uh, tends to cause higher income, but also having higher income tends to encourage, give people more free time so that they're able to pursue, you know, reading and watching maybe, um, you know, more elevated uh, TV shows. Uh, and they acquire general knowledge. And it could also be that there's a common cause for both. And I suspect the real answer is it's a combination of all three. Uh, but as I say in the book, you really can't change a lot of the things uh, going on in your life. Like if you had parents who were well-educated, uh, you know, who gave you all the advantages, that's great, but you don't get to pick your parents. 
Uh, but you can do something about trying to stay informed. So this is something where you really do have some power to change, you know, how your life works. Uh, and in that case, I think there is an argument for trying to make a little bit of effort to, to stay better informed. I mean, I guess it's really about curiosity as much as anything else. Yeah, I mean, if you uh, there have been many books where they ask, uh, you know, successful people, however you define that, uh, what they attribute it to, and of course, almost it's almost a cliche. The the very popular answer is curiosity, and it's it's almost like humble brag for intelligence. <laughs> I suppose it just sounds better to say I'm curious, uh, but I think there's something to that. People who who are these people, uh, who, who whose minds uh, tend to absorb knowledge and retain it, uh, do seem to have some sort of advantage in the world. The other part of it, and you touched on this a, a few moments ago, is this sense of context, that if you start out curious or you start out interested in a whole lot of things, you start to begin to see how those things connect or maybe relate to each other, and then you create a context where it's easier for more knowledge and more information to be absorbed. Yes, uh, exactly. One of the experiments that I talk about in the book uh, when Russia invaded Ukraine, uh, and there was a lot of discussion in the news about this and even whether the United States should maybe take some action, uh, there was a, a team of psychologists who did this very clever experiment uh, <clears throat> where they simply asked people to try and find the Ukraine on a world map. So it showed the countries, it showed the borders, but it didn't, you know, label the countries, obviously. So you had to pick a point anywhere on the world uh, map that most, you know, fit in with where the Ukraine was. And what they found was that uh, the more accurate people were, the ones who really knew where the Ukraine were, they were much less likely to want for the, the U.S. to intervene in the Ukraine. And the people who, who, whose guesses were way off field, like in South America or wow. even in the Pacific Ocean, uh, they were the ones most likely to want a U.S. intervention in Ukraine. Uh, so it's kind of a, almost a chilling thing that, you know, when you think about it, whether we should go to war, that, that does have to be determined by geography. I mean, the location of the Ukraine tells us whether it has strategic importance to the U.S., uh, it tells us how expensive it would be to send our troops there. Uh, but apparently it was the people who really didn't have a very good grasp of that uh, who were the most hawkish on this particular issue. Uh, so it does show how knowledge, you know, basically affects people's uh, behavior and political attitudes. And that's a pretty important thing. Uh, as you say, um, you know, if you have contextual knowledge, uh, you're able to make quick judgments on things because you don't have to look up everything and, you know, you know what you should be looking up. Uh, but if you're totally clueless and don't even know where the gaps in your knowledge are, uh, it's very hard to make maximum use of those very useful mobile devices that you've got in your pocket. Right. And those gaps tend to, to increase. It's a little bit like math knowledge, that once you start to have gaps in your knowledge, it makes everything else more difficult because there are just pieces missing along the way. Yes, exactly. Um, as I say, the Internet is really uh, an agent of information inequality. Uh, the people who really know a lot of stuff can use it very effectively because they can, they can give you, you know, they can formulate good searches. Uh, they know what it is they don't know and know how to ask Siri or whatever to get the correct answer. 
but if you don't have that contextual knowledge, it's much more difficult even to come up with a good search. Uh, so really, it, it tends to make the, the smart smarter and the not-so-smart kind of get left behind. What role in your research and in, in working on, on this book in Head in the Clouds, what role does education play? And, and to the extent that it does play a role, at what level? Is the issue what's going on in primary education, in college education? What, what, what impact does it have? Well, certainly education is where people <clears throat> get their core, you know, uh, body of knowledge. So in that sense, it's incredibly important. Uh, but as I say, even if you look at people who have the same level of formal education, like people who have exactly four years of college, uh, there are huge differences in what they actually know, both about current events, which they wouldn't have learned in school, but also about basic, you know, facts of history, geography, spelling and grammar that supposedly they should have learned in school. Uh, so I get the impression that we really do not, you know, we, we are not turning out students who have a consistent level of knowledge, uh, and that does put some people at a real disadvantage. Uh, so I think it, it makes a case that, you know, people really have to give people, I mean, there's a lot of emphasis on what they call skills uh, in teaching. And that makes sense, but uh, part of skills is having the basic facts so that you can do things like make an effective web search. So in a certain sense, it isn't skills or facts. You really have to teach both, I think. Right. I mean, somebody said recently, I'm trying to remember who it was. I think it was Kevin Kelly, the, the founder of Wired Magazine, that, mm -hmm. that the attitude in the workplace today is hire for attitude, train for skills. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, the, it's certainly a very popular idea, but in a sense, you need someone who's got the total package, and that means they have a good contextual knowledge and also the skills to apply that knowledge. What do you see in terms of generational differences in all of this? Well, of course, there's always been this idea, and you see it on late-night comedy, uh, <laughs> that the younger people are getting less and less well-informed. Uh, but, of course, this goes back to Socrates. He had pretty much the same complaint. Uh, but I did do a lot of studies where I looked at what specifically younger people knew and didn't know. Uh, and certainly you do find to a degree that uh, there's lots of things they don't know. Uh, there, there's a long section in the book where I actually list all the things that most millennials don't know. And it's like an incredible list of things you think would be very basic, like uh, which emperor fiddled while Rome burned? Uh, what, what, was, uh, what did the raven say in the famous Edgar Allan Poe poem? Uh, they can't recognize Karl Marx, Queen Victoria, or Charles Dickens from a photograph. Uh, th there's just an awful lot of things there. Uh, but before you assume that people are just getting dumber, uh, I think you have to realize that, you know, even in my things here, I was kind of using arbitrary lists of facts that, you know, people have in the past said that everyone ought to know. But that list of facts changes with each generation. So, in a sense, uh, it's almost like the whole idea with IQ test. I mean, the problem with them is that they're culturally biased because you usually have these white people making up a list of things, you know, questions that people should answer. But if you're a minority kid, it can be a lot harder because you don't have the same frames of reference. You're living in a somewhat different culture, even if it's in the same country. And in the same way, with time, with each generation, uh, the culture is changing every day underneath our feet. 
so even if you get someone who's a little older uh, saying people should know this, this, and that, uh, the priorities are not the same for younger people. So I, I think it's fair to assume that people, you know, know as much as they always have. It's just that they have different sets of knowledge. And if you should be alarmed about something, it's not so much that they don't know the things you think they should know, but that with today's media, it's much easier to just know about the things you're really interested in and to kind of ignore everything else. And that's the sort of thing I, I would say that maybe we should be a little alarmed about. Yeah, I, I think that may be being too generous in, in a way because even the things that, that they think they need to know about have historical antecedents and, and, and mm. places where they came from. And that knowledge is equally important. There, there may be more yeah. of it today, but it doesn't mm-hmm. make it less important. Yeah, uh, I mean, history is certainly one of the things that ca- tends to get uh, lost, by the way. I think both in schools and certainly uh, on the Internet, where it's, it's just not such a, a, a popular topic compared to all the other things that are kind of going after our intent, uh, attention. But again, history is the classic example of what I call contextual knowledge, because you can find an analogy to everything that's happening today, everything that's going to happen in the future in history. So for that reason, I, I think it is something that people should pay more attention to. Do you sense that there is alarm, really, of anywhere about these issues? Well, there always has been, as I say. and I mean, some of it's well-taken alarm, some of it maybe not so much. Uh, I mean, even things like the Common Core curriculum uh, was based on the idea that schools were not teaching a certain body of knowledge, uh, so they set out to establish what uh, what people should learn at each particular grade. Uh, so th- there certainly has been alarm about it, but again, uh, it's one thing for a bunch of people to say this is alarming, but then we've got all these new technologies we're dealing with. We're all kind of on our own and figuring out how to use them. Uh, so I think the technology is really, you know, it- it's like a self-driving car, and, you know, whether it's, uh, it's safe or not, uh, there's not much we can do about it. Of course, this sense that we used to get our information from fewer sources, that everybody mm-hmm. had the same kind of knowledge because the sources mm-hmm. were so limited. Now, of course, the long tail and everything else makes that fundamentally different. I mean, that, that really is a core of this. Yes, exactly. I mean, uh, it, there's been a lot of discussion about how it feeds into political polarization, that people tend to, to uh, favor news sources that, uh, that agree with their political opinions. So you end up having a different set of facts or even uh, different priorities in terms of what is an important story and what is not. So in that sense, I mean, it is uh, useful to have some sort of consensus, uh, some sort of universal uh, media. Uh, But to a much greater degree, we really are losing that. Talk a little bit about how, if at all, anybody talks about how we might be able to change this. Well, there's many sorts of ideas. I think one of the things you have to be aware of is just, uh, you know, um, how you apportion your media diet. Uh, uh, We all spend many hours a day on the Internet, on television, on radio, uh, and you really have to ask yourself, you know, am I getting the maximum value out of that? Uh, so I, I sort of recommend that people, you know, take a good look at how they're spending their media time. 
and how effective those particular media are at really giving them a well-rounded view of what's happening. The other part, of course, is that once you get behind, and this relates to the contextual aspect we talked about before, once you get behind, it's harder to catch up. Yeah, exactly. Uh, And people who are kind of behind uh, tend to accept someone else's opinion rather than their own uh, because they just aren't in a position to really look up the information and and come to uh, a real opinion. Uh, And that's bad in a democracy because we're really trying to ask everyone to come to their own ideas and then vote on it. So to the extent that we have people who aren't so well informed, I mean, it really does undermine the whole premise of democracy. Mm -hmm. Do you sense from young people that, that as they age, as they become more involved in their society, in society, in their community, in, in a lot of other things, that this will begin to change for them? Or is this just something that, that is hardwired into a generation? No, I, I think it will change because mm-hmm. at least it, it always has in the past. I mean, even if you look at something like voting, uh, it, it, uh, it's young people tend not to vote, but once you get to like 50 or 60, uh, they're, they're very regular voters. Uh, so I think people do tend to, to get more socially concerned in a certain way uh, as they grow older. They sort of realize that there is maybe more of a responsibility to keep informed, to vote, and do things like that. Uh, so uh, I, it's hard to say how the technology is going to change this, but I would imagine that as people get older, they will, you know, fit the pattern that we've had throughout history. Of course, the other side of this, which which we haven't touched on, is that it is going to continue to get easier and easier and easier to look up things, that, that even looking them up on our smartphones now is going to seem primitive in a few years. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, every time you see people at a restaurant and they're all on their smartphones, I mean, you almost want to say, well, this is some fad. This will blow over in a few years. But obviously it won't. You're exactly right. In 10 years, our phones or whatever we have then, maybe it's, it's you know, neural chips or Google Glasses or whatever, uh, they're going to be so much more compelling than they are now. And you'll be able to look up stuff even while you're nodding your head and pretending you're having a conversation uh, so in, in a real sense, this effect is something that certainly has not uh, topped off. I mean, it's still something that's happening, and you have to wonder what things are going to be like in a few years. We'll get a little chip, a little implant with all of this yeah. uh, basic canon of knowledge. Well, that, that would be a useful thing, I think, <laughs> if they could manage that. <laughs> William Poundstone, his new book is Head in the Cloud. Why Knowing Things Still Matters When Facts Are So Easy to Look Up. Bill, I thank you so much for spending time with us. Well, thank you so much. Thank you.